The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am Alex Alcazaz, and it's my honor and privilege to welcome back the fiercely opinionated Mr. Josh McSwain, Mr. David <laughs> Scappin, up to our neighbors to the north in Canada, and finally, my good friend and my mentor, Mr. Steve Adams. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's finally good to have a party here on this show. I thankfully wouldn't play, miss Alex. it. This, this is going to be more fun than a wagon of puppies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we really are around. I mean, we got Josh and I in Texas, David, you're up in Canada, Steve, you're up in California. You know, the world cup starts this week. You know, it's a good time to talk about soccer. I think it's the perfect time to have our pre world cup discussion because what's better than having then two soccer experts. Then it's, you know what? Might as well go with four. Might as well quadruple the effort. <laughs> Excellent. I think the first thing we really should discuss before we kind of give our previews, and guys, you guys have probably seen my rants, but I've been extremely frustrating with these injuries just piling up and piling up and piling up. To me, it's like I've just been smacked in the face with all these injuries. So, guys, I'm going to need your opinions. So, Steve, since it's been a while since you've been on, we're going to go ahead and start with you. How have these injuries really frustrated you, my friend? It's been terrible. And, uh, I mean, Senegal is pretty much going to be doing this tournament, even though, you know, he's got a pretty big knock. Uh, the Senegalese coach has pretty much said that, well, we're hoping that Sadio Mane can play in the later games. Well, the thing is, by the time they get to the third game, if Senegal doesn't get really good results in those first couple of games, you know, they're they're pretty well screwed. So it really is kind of a moot point. I mean, so many teams have been affected. Uh, by the timing. But to be fair, too, I mean, players can get injured just as easily in training as they can in the games. I mean, France had to take Nkuka off their roster. He got oh, a can't play in the World Cup, which really sucks because he's played so well. But thanks to that, um, Marcus Taram, uh, Lillian Taram's son, who's played really well with Motion Gladbach, he got his golden ticket 
thanks to that. So that's that's the only good thing that you can say with the whole injury fiasco. And there's been so many injuries is that, you know, it's going to allow maybe some other lesser known players to to step up and, you know, try to be noticed. Absolutely. All right, David, your thoughts? I agree with everything what Steve says. I was uh, as far as Sadio Mane goes. I don't think he'll he'll even play because from the sounds of it, it sounds a lot worse than he's letting on. Up here in Canada, we had a bit of an injury uh, worry here with, with two guys. Atiba Hutchison plays for Besiktas in Turkey. He's just trained, just entered tra- training today or this morning, and 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 and, and now with, with uh, Alfonso Davies with a muscular problem he's had. He's had it off and on. There's talk that he might even start our, our opening game against Belgium, but he, he's supposed to arrive in, in Qatar either tomorrow or, or Thursday. So, so, all right. And, and, look right. At the, and look at the injuries with the French national team too, eh? Like, geez. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. I'll give my thoughts, Josh. Well, yeah, I was going to expand a little bit on the French team. We already knew they were going to be without Ingalo Conte and Paul Pogba, and then you lose a great young player like Christopher in Kunku. The depth of that team is going to really be tested. And fortunately for French team, depth seems to be among their strong suits. They just got an incredible pipeline of talent coming in, which is why I still think they should do decently in this tournament. I agree. I agree. I mean, for me, I mean, you know, I'm sure y'all have heard my rants there, you know, like about the manager that I, how bad I want my hero and Zidane to become the manager, and we'll definitely get to that because mm-hmm. I've had bad conversations with my dad, and he brought up some excellent points. But the injuries, I mean, Sadio Mane, it, it, I mean, nine hours ago, Gold.com said that he's to miss quote first games, which I don't know what that means. So based on what I read, it said he'll miss multiple games. So that would mean if if Senegal miraculously makes it to the knockout stage without him and he's fit to go then, I'd only imagine what that means. But, but you know, Timo Werner, you know, not playing. I mean, that is huge. That, that's really huge. I mean, you know, I think the most frustrating part is the fact that this World Cup took place in a time of the year where it's, it's not supposed to because it's in Qatar. And as we know, summers in Qatar are quite unbearable. But... I think it's beyond that. I mean, FIFA's really, you know, they've really put themselves in hot water, but at the end of the day, they could care less. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's sort of like a kid getting a rectal thermometer. They can scream and holler all they want, but it's going down. So as much as a lot of us have been unhappy about Qatar getting awarded the, the World Cup and the fact that they're doing it right in the middle of the, of the European season, you know, we're all upset about it, but you know, this thing coming to pass starting on Sunday. So we're just going to have to, you know, get over it and, and move on. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't in favor of this at the beginning, but it's, you know what? It's too late now. Just, just might as well go, go on with it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Josh, Josh, anything you want to add? No, they pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Hmm. All right, gentlemen, so Group A, Qatar, (laughs) Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Well, honestly, I've already, you know, I I pretty much gave it all like that. You know, for me, I'm still sticking with uh, Senegal and the Netherlands as the the, uh, ones that will advance. But I think uh, Netherlands might basically be able to pull through and, and top the group, especially with Sadio's out. But 
know, quite frankly, anything can happen. But, you know, everybody's heard my thoughts. It's all about you, gentlemen, tonight. So I want your, your thoughts. So, David, we'll go and start with you. What's your prediction for Group A and why? I, uh, the, the Netherlands should top this group. And I'm going to go, even though they're, they're missing Mane, Senegal should, 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 be, should, should go qualify second in that group. Um, Holland's, they're not, it's, not, it's not your classic Dutch team we've seen in the past. Still a very strong team. Very, very, very good forwards. Very kind of weak on, 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 on at the back. But they, they should have enough horses to, to get by in that first one. Qatar and Ecuador, I just, I just, I just can't see it. Well, you'll Ecuador see is very next... used to playing. Sorry, go ahead. Ecuador is used to playing at high altitude, which has always been a uh, a key to their success. I just, yeah. I just can't see them. I just can't see them getting by. But who knows? Who knows? I'm going to go with, with with the Netherlands first, and Senegal number two. You know, Steve has actually said the sure, Netherlands sure. Yeah, yeah, Senegal, is the best Senegal. team to have never won it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, go ahead. No doubt among the great soccer-playing countries, I think you argue that the Dutch are by far and away the, the best country to have not won the World Cup. They runners up three times. Uh, this Dutch team still is loaded with talent. Uh, they still have Virgil van Dijk in the central defense to help marshal things there. Uh, Delight, Dumfries. You know, I think they've got some pretty solid players in the back. The midfield, uh, De Jong is pretty solid player too. I just think though that for in this group, I think Senegal missing Mane, you know, he's the heart and soul of that team and he's by far and away the greatest player, in my opinion, to come out of Senegal. I think that's just too much to ask for Senegal to finish second in this group. I, I think Ecuador, you know, who has, you know, a, a pretty fair amount of depth too. Unfortunately, I have to say that uh, I think Ecuador will take second on this group, but I am rooting for Senegal. Me too. So, yeah. The game on November 29th, Ecuador and Senegal, is what I'm looking looking forward to. So, when when, when yeah. those two countries play, right. Josh. Well, with Group A, I think the Netherlands could get all nine points out of this. They're going to be number one. I'm still sticking with Senegal at two. I just think overall they have more talent than the other two teams. Although Qatar is not as bad as people think they are. They've come really close to qualifying for the World Cup a couple of other times. And they've got some players that can really put the ball in the back of the net. I think they're going to surprise some people, but it won't be enough. So, yeah, Dutch and Senegalese, 1-2 for me. I mean, Qatar did win the Asian Cup back in 2019, but what we saw after that, I mean, I, I kind of feel like they regressed a little bit. They had a, they had a decent Gold Cup last year. I forgot about that, uh, Qatar. I forgot about that. They didn't yeah. play that badly. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I'm glad that we're gonna, Group B, I mean, you know, you know I, I would have felt that Group B – Oh, man. England, Iran, the United States, and Wales. And Steve, before we get to that, Steve, Josh, I know that you guys have insisted that Iran never gets the amount of credit for how good they actually are. And you boys are absolutely right. I mean, I'll never forget on, on this show, I said that Iran is so underrated. The fact that nobody really wants to give them anything, that's criminal, honestly. 
I mean, Iran's not like the top European teams that we're used to seeing dominating, but Iran does have talent. I agree. I agree. All right, so uh, so Josh, uh, you you can go ahead and lead off this one. Uh, who do you have winning Group B, and who do you have finishing second? And give us uh, your fiercely opinionated thoughts, my friend. Okay, well, I've got England at the top of this group. Should be no surprise. I just think they're head and maybe shoulders ahead of everybody else in this group. Iran, we saw them in 2018. They gave Spain and Portugal both a run for their money. And they first broke onto the scene in 2014. They really struggled. Then they competed, but just couldn't quite get past Portugal into the knockout stage. I have them going fourth this time as number two, and then USA third and Wales fourth. Wow. It's Wow. Yeah, I mean, USA, I want to be confident in them, but I just, I'm just not. It's just... Not a lot of experience on this team. A lot of new guys coming in. Can they gel well enough? Obviously, the U.S. has a lot of talent. They've exported a lot of guys to top European clubs, but just something about the way the U.S. has played lately just doesn't inspire confidence for me. Okay. All right, Steve? My God, England is just so loaded. Um even with Reese James, you know, missing the World Cup because of injury, uh, that really hurts England's back line. But, uh, you know, they're not exactly great at goaltender. You know, I'm, you know, um, for a country that's had such great tradition of super goaltenders, you know, like Shilton and Clements, um, you know, Jordan Pickford is no Peter Shilton. But uh, they're very loaded, and I think they're, like you say, I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the group as far as talent. Uh, Iran is actually my pick to take second out of this group. I think that they get really undersold. They're, they're very slick. You know, these are guys that have some really good skill. You know, it's, it's also interesting, I mean, in the backdrop of, you know, geopolitics and everything, what's going on in Iran with all the demonstrations and stuff going there i mean is this something that can galvanize a team you know to try to play you know harder you know give them an extra give them an extra edge um but i think the iranians will actually take second out of this group united states i look at this as kind of high risk high reward um if they can stay healthy. Uh, I had a couple of surprises on this squad. I really wasn't super sold on uh, Jordan Morris uh, or Haji Wright. Um, but, you know, that's that's who we went with. But I think that our forwards, um, you know, if they could put Pulisic, Gio Reyna, uh, Tim Way out there, Josh Sargent has played really well in Norwich. And uh, he's got his confidence back. Uh, it's kind of too bad that Ricardo Pepe kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Um, U.S. has some questions at goaltender, too. The other big surprise in the selection was Stefan not getting picked for the squad because, I mean, he was kind of number one for a long time. And, I mean, he didn't even get picked in the top three. So that was a surprise. No uh, doubt. Wales is kind of a wild card in this group because as we saw in the MLS final, 
uh, Christian Bale, or excuse me, Gareth Bale, <laughs> uh, who happens all the time. Yeah, they'd be really surprised if Batman shows up. I'm Batman, but, and I uh, score goals. We, but, just, uh, we just lost Kevin Conroy, too, so. Hmm. But, but Gareth Bale, as we saw with uh, LAFC, I mean, the guy was injured, hardly played at all during the season for LAFC, and then all of a sudden comes on in injury time, does this amazing header, outfights, outjumps a six foot six defender for the Union to score a goal. Uh, Bill also scored arguably maybe the best goal ever in a UEFA Champions League final for Real Madrid. So, I mean, any team that's got a Gareth Bale, he's an X factor. And um, the game that I'm highly looking forward to is Wales versus England, because any one of the home countries, and that's, you know, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, if they could beat England, it doesn't matter if Wales loses their other two games. If Wales beats England, that that totally makes their World Cup. And almost all these guys for Wales, you know, they they almost all play in England. So um, it's a very interesting group. I mean, the U.S. could qualify out of this group. The U.S. could finish last in this group. Yeah. But I think in the end, I, I think the English and the Iranians are going to come out of this group. Okay. David? This is a very interesting group as far as sporting and, 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 geo, and geopolitically, geopolitically too. You got the home nations going in, England and Wales, and you got two nations that despise one another politically in, in the United States and Iran, which I think is a, it should, it should, be, it should be fun. But it, even though they haven't been playing all that great of late, but who knows what's going on over there? I'm going to say England should, should get all nine points easily in, in this group. Followed by the Iranians. Like, like you said, they don't get enough credit, even globally. They're literally playing in their backyard. So it's going to be interesting. The game I'm looking forward to in, in that group will be on November 29th, Wales against England. Because I, like, I watch enough Six Nations rugby through the years. I'm sure you, Steve can go there. And like Steve said earlier, even if Wales loses all their other games, if they can beat England, that's their that's their World Cup right there. So that's a game I'm looking very forward to. I think that that game, that game on the 29th. All right. Now I'd like to spend a little bit of time actually because this group is so entertaining. England, obviously, no doubt. I mean, it's a no-brainer. But the way I have it is, you know, see this is, and I'm sure I, this is what I said, you know, long on the show, Iran versus the United States because I feel like it's going to cut down come down to this: the winner of that match takes second. Iran versus the United States, the winner advances. That's the way I see it in my mind. But, I mean, Probably. but for that to happen, Probably. the United States has to beat Wales. And honestly, like, in a little bit of a pro wrestling uh, twist right here, I mean, the way I see the U.S. versus Wales, I kind of like to see Christian Pulisic versus Gareth Bale. But yeah. the problem with the United States is this. The talent is there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this U.S. team has probably got more talent than they, than they ever honestly ever had. They're also okay. one of the youngest teams there, too. Yes, very youngest teams. And having the youngest team is not an advantage. It's actually a disadvantage because when you're not experienced, you can't handle that pressure. Now, as far as the U.S. squad goes, Jesus Ferreira being on the squad, that actually – I felt like that was honestly a no-brainer. And I'm really, really hoping this Duke actually gets the chance to prove himself because Jesus Ferreira could be the guy that surprises all of us as far as the U.S. goes. 
I mean, for me, yeah, he plays for FC Dallas, which is one of my two uh, MLS teams. The other one's LAFC. Uh, everybody knows the story. You know, it all started with my when I visited you, Steve. But the U.S. look, the talent is there. But my problem is, is the mentality a lot like France? Do they have their act together? But at the same time, Greg Berhalter has been a major problem because for a long time now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh and Steve, but fans have had it with this guy and they want him sacked. So let me say this. If the U.S. finishes in fourth, I would not see how the heck Greg keeps his job after that. Because after at that point, there's no reason for him to keep his job, if you ask me. Agreed. I think there's more to American fans that are very mixed opinion. I think, you know, deep in our hearts, we want to see the American players do well. But by the same token, too, if, if the U.S. has a good tournament, and I think a good tournament for them would be getting out of group play, even getting to the round of 16, um, but if they have a good tournament, that means that Burhalter is going to get a new contract more than likely. And I think there's a pretty high number of U.S. men's national team fans that just, you know, would not be very happy with that at all. Yeah, I I noticed with I noticed with, with the U.S. they're they're a different when when the U.S. are playing on U.S. soil. They're they're one thing, but when, when they're on foreign soil, they're, they're just a different team altogether. It's really weird. It's a really weird team, and I agree with the amount of criticism. I mean, even up, I hear even up here with, with Burr Halter. If 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 they don't get if if they don't get out of, out of the, out of group stage, out of group stage here, I think he's gone. Now, who's going to replace him? I don't know who's who's there to replace him though. But maybe maybe you guys would know this better than I do. But I mean, I couldn't I, give I, you I couldn't give you a straight answer honestly. I couldn't. I think I, I think both like like up here in Canada and the United States. I think we're we're looking forward to twenty twenty six when we're 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 the home nation. That's <laughs> that's how I that's how I look at it. So, so, all right, Josh. Any anything else you want to add to Group B? I just want to go off what Steve said about Pickford earlier. Nick Pope was also included in the goalie trio for England. He's having a great year at Newcastle. It wouldn't surprise me if Pope started a few games, especially if Pickford struggles in one of these group games, I think they could pull the plug and go with Pope in the round of 16 and onward. All right. Well said, gentlemen. Well said. Well that said. Takes us well said. I never forgot about that. Uh, I mean, you know, when you have, you know, four brilliant, passionate, knowledgeable soccer minds, you know, we, we produce more than magic, guys, and we are we, you guys are all doing a good job, and it's a blessing. Thank you guys again. We get to Group C. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Gentlemen, I'm going to start off. I'm going to tell you this right now. Mexico's not making it out. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah, I have Argentina and Poland making it out. Uh, and, and I guess uh, I'm guessing you guys want you guys – you guys want to know why, right? Yes. Yeah, like why, why, why Poland over Mexico? Well, Steve, you and I have spoken about this, and Mr. Alexi Lawless actually brought up a very good point when he said that this is probably the worst Mexican team that he's ever seen because Mexico finishing third. I mean, they qualified but finishing in the third spot. You know, lose. You know, not even being able to beat Canada and not even being able to beat the U.S. That right there is an attention getter. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that Canada topped the group, I mean, that makes the U.S. and Mexico look bad, okay? So, so David, I know, I know that you're enjoying this right now, buddy, but, you know, it might as well uh, 
Might as well take it all in, all in my friend. But Mexico, we saw that there were signs of just not, them not being at that particularly mental level. And I really feel like that's going to come back and bite them right in the butt. Now, Poland, well, you think of the I've, Poland I've national often, team. I'm sorry, go ahead. I've often, I've often noticed Mexico being a weird, moody team. The last few, at qualifying, they just, they just kind of, yeah, they just go through the motions. Then, then come World Cup time, they, they looked awesome in the group stage. Then, then move the once you get to the knockout stage, they're, they're done. So yeah, that's been like that since uh, that's been it's been like that since 1994. At least, at least they're consistent. At least they're consistent. But I agree with Alexi Lalas. This is probably the worst Mexican team I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, and and, this, and this is what I saw. Like this is not just words, just simply coming out. I mean, I, I did my homework on this, and you know, and Steve and I had that lengthy conversation about it. But if you think of Poland, aside from Robert Lewandowski, I'm sure there's a lot of names that most of us don't even know. But but you know, Poland Zelensky. hasn't had their moment in the World Cup since 1982, and I think they're they're hell bent on finally having that moment. I agree. I agree. But to get you, your thoughts, uh, Steve, we'll go and start with you with Group C. I got to say, I was really surprised that um, Jimenez and Linaeus didn't make it onto the Mexico World Cup squad. That was really, you know, kind of a shock. As I mean, only a couple of years ago, Linaeus was supposed to be the golden child. He was supposed to be kind of the next great thing in Mexican soccer. Uh, I think they do have some players. El Tree does have some players of class. I still think, you know, Chucky Lozano, who had a pretty good World Cup for Mexico four years ago, I thought that he was good. Um, I think it's more, I don't think it's so much of a problem of the quality of the players on the field as much as it is. Um, I think there's just a disconnect between tote coaching and, and members of the squad. Um I do agree that I think Poland and Argentina make it out of this group, but um, but you know, living in Los Angeles, you know, where there's a whole lot of L Tree fans, you know, that are here, but uh, a lot of the L Tree fans here in LA are nothing short of you know morose and uh, you know they're very very skeptical of how L Tree is going to do in this World Cup. Uh, Argentina. I think is along with Brazil. I think they're my favorites to win it all. Uh, they're loaded. They're playing well. They're they're not as dependent on Lionel Messi to carry the team and you know do everything. If Messi's got some help, and uh, when Messi's not in that role where he has to carry the team, that's just been kind of an albatross, you know, around his neck because, I mean, he's played so brilliantly for Barcelona all years. You know, one of the knocks has always been that, you know, he arguably played with a better team and better teammates at Barcelona than he did when he would show up for the Argentina national team. This team now is good enough to win, and they beat Brazil in the last uh, Copa America, and we all know how loaded the Brazilians are, and that's that's another story for later. But uh, I think Argentina can make a very deep run in this. Uh, no it's, a, it's a round of 16 team. I don't really see them getting past the round of 16. But, you know, but if you've got a guy like Robert Lewandowski who can score virtually at will, uh, the one wild card in this group will be Saudi Arabia because it's going to be virtually a home game for the Saudis uh, playing Qatar. So they're going to have... Uh, a whole lot of support 
um, that'll be making the run the cutter. But but that's my pick as far as who's going to come out of this group. All right, Josh. Okay, not surprisingly, I have Argentina number one. They should win all three games. I had a hard time picking between Mexico and Poland. Poland, I think I had them topping their group in 2018. They didn't advance to the knockout stage. Seems like last year at Euros, Poland also disappointed. So I was close to putting Mexico at number two, but like you said, that Mexican team just does not look to be in form right now. So I was like, all right, I'll give you one last chance, Poland. So I put them at two, <laughs> Mexico at three, and Saudi Arabia at four. I just don't really think Saudi Arabia is very good. David? I, 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 my, my preterm pick is Argentina. So obviously Argentina is going to top this mm-hmm. group. Like Josh, uh, I'm kind of torn between Mexico and Poland. They, they actually, they open, they, they do play on the 22nd, which is their first game against each other. Mexico, Mexico has been a weird team. I even, even last year during the qualification in CONCACAF, they just, they just seemed to be missing something. I think it's maybe some, I think, I think Tata Martino, the managers, I think there's a big disconnect there. But I'm going to go with Poland number two, edging out Mexico. Out of Lewandowski, there's another good player no one talks about. His name is, uh, I forget his first name, but he, he plays for Napoli. Last name is Zelensky. I think he's going to have a decent tournament for, for, for them. And I think, uh, I, I think, Le- and also um, that Millet kid who used to play for, who used to play for Napoli, now plays for Marseille in France, I, I believe. Uh, he, he, he'll help out with Lewandowski in the, in the scoring. So I'm going to go with Argentina one, Poland two, Mexico three, and Saudi Arabia, like Josh says, they're not a great team. So yeah, you, them, so. <laughs> yeah, Peter Zielinski, uh, the who plays for Napoli. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so and, and uh, speaking of Argentina, and I know we'll, uh, once we get through the group stage, we can give our earlier uh, predictions in the knockout. But um, no, Group D: France, Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. I guess you guys want to hear my thoughts on this one too, don't you? Well, you're the you're the only French person here, so you should go first on this, Alex. I'll tell you what: France is not winning the group. Oh, really? No, Denmark, okay, Denmark has embarrassed, and I mean embarrassed France in the, in the Nations League, okay? Denmark, what we saw in the, in the Euro, and we've seen Denmark get better and better and better. I think Denmark is in, a, is in a position, they are sick and tired of being in France's shadow. Look, the whole problem with France is, yeah, the injuries, but the players' behavior and arrogance, I will not tolerate it, especially... Killian Mbappe's very annoying uh, behavior, especially from the Ballon d'Or Awards where he's just basically making a face and acting like a child. My advice to Mbappe is this. Stop your crying. Do something about it. Do it on the freaking pitch, dude. Stop talking. Do, do, do something about it on the pitch and like that. So right now, I mean, Mbappe's really become a diva. And, and it hurts me because I'm, I am still a fan of Mbappe. But... My issue with this is, and everybody knows, you've heard my rants. I don't trust Deschamps. Deschamps' uh, tactics, his style, his conservative style does not work. He has not evolved from it. We saw it four years ago 
But four years ago, the players took it upon themselves to actually get the job done. Now, I still give Deshaun credit, but Deshaun is just basically at a point where, you know, it doesn't work anymore. And this is where my dad kicks in and says, I've been telling you this for a long time. And, you know, to give me the little five-year-old treatment, I didn't listen to him. Okay. Now I'm at that point where I can't trust Deshaun, okay? And my dad's word because Deshaun is close to Noël Legrette, who's the president of the French Football Federation. Quite frankly, they should both be ousted from their positions. And my dad believes that Deshaun is going to be too stubborn to resign even if France were to crap the bed. In my, in my honest opinion, no. I told my dad the players, they're going to finally realize it. They're going to really – they're going to force that pressure if Deshaun refuses to go. The, the players are going to know we want Zidane. We, if we want to make a difference, we got to learn from the legend himself. Because let me tell you this, gentlemen. If Zidane takes over, you can bet that the arrogance, the egos, it will be destroyed in an instant. He is going to put those players to work harder than they ever have with international duty. Zinedine Zidane can make France stronger than it has ever been before. He could make that 98 team, the 2018 team, look like nothing. Zinedine Zidane will not tolerate any kind of negative behavior. Now, people say he won three straight titles because he had the best players in the world, which is true. But, the gentlemen, the key out of that is he knew how to control them. He was able to strike fear in the likes of Ronaldo, Pepe, all of them. Zinedine Zidane is the kind of guy you do not scare him, but he can scare the hell out of you. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you're Mbappe. If you don't play it right, if your attitude is he hates it, he's not even going to bother calling you up. Zinedine Zidane... He doesn't even fear the, the, the tough and scary French media. He will literally tell the French media to go fuck themselves. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because he's my hero. I'm just talking about the guy that I know so well that I've looked up to since I was three years old. I know Zinedine Zidane. Believe me. Without, without hesitation, Zinedine Zidane would tell that hectic, disruptive, annoying French media, fuck off, let me do my job. Oh, well. There, top so that. with Group D, <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I was, say, I was about to say, yeah, that, that, that's going to be tough to follow. <laughs> but you really but you really in Denmark over France in this. That's interesting. I mean, you know, <laughs> because right now, I mean, look, the problem with France is they have been, the midfield is inexperienced and the Defense is not very, very strong. The attack looks good as always, but, you know, France always brings up too many problems going to a World Cup. So, I mean, maybe France, if France somehow miraculously retains the title, obviously I got, I'll have a lot of explaining and, and, and owning up to do, which I will do on this show. But, but right now, I don't even see how France can even make an impact. So that's why I want to hear your thoughts. So, uh, Steve, let's go and start with you on this one. Well, I think there's a huge demarcation in quality in terms of the four teams in this group. I think you have a definite uh, gap, talent gap between the Danes and the French compared to the Australians. I mean, for them, even making the dance and Qatar and beating Peru in the playoff to get to Qatar to play, I think is kind of a small miracle to knock off a South American side. So, I mean, their World Cup's already made. Uh, Tunisia, you know, they're not going to be really a matchup either. Uh, the thing with France, they always seem, it's, it's very rare when France does two good World Cups in a row, just because 
of the egos that could be on the team. I mean, the last time France really did two really good World Cups in a row was 82 and 86 when they made the semifinals. But it's like they won in 98. They didn't even make it out of group play 2002. 2006, they made it to the final, lost the Italians in the final. 2010 was just a total shit show, a total uh, mutiny on the ship. Uh, 2014, they had solid World Cup in Brazil, made it to the quarterfinals. They won four years ago. Um, they have so much attacking talent on this team. But by the same token, too, the Danes are not afraid of them. And let's not forget, too, the Danes in the last Euros, they outplayed England in England at the Euros. Oh, yeah. and, and quite frankly, we're, we're unlucky. Very unlucky. Them. Very unlucky. But uh, yeah. but but I think if there's if there's a European team that's going to win this tournament, uh, I think France has the talent to do it. France would be my pick, but um, but the Danes they have a, a great deal of solidarity. You know, you got guys like Hoiberg. The fact that Ericsson literally has been Lazarus came back from having CPR done on him in the Euros a couple years ago to actually not only just being able to play, but he's playing really well on top of it. So they have a, a lot of cohesion. You know, it would not surprise me if the Danes made a deep run in this tournament. But I still think by the time the smoke settles, I think France wins the group, and I think the Danes finish second. Okay. All right, David? Well, I, I'm picking Denmark as my sleeper pick to, to, go, to go far. So... But um, I have a funny thing with the French. There's so much arrogance. They're not that great defensively. Their midfield is so-so. Eh, but there's attacking option. That's, why, that's exactly what I said when we started with this group. <laughs> and, then, it, 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 then Steve made a good point. They, 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 they really have two good tournaments in a row. And we all know it, 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 since 2002, the, the past winners have, have never even gone out of the group stage. The following World Cup, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go France, just edging out Denmark in in, in this group. This this Danish team, they have they have some really good players like like that that Skov Skov Olsen who plays along with my fellow Canadian uh, Buchanan at Club Bruges is a very very good winger, and of course Eriksson who was literally was literally at one point clinically dead. At one point, how he's how he's just come from that and play very good for a very weak Manchester United team. It's amazing. So I'm going to go with France, <laughs> Denmark, and Tunisia and Australia. That's that, that's I'm going to go. All right, Mr. McSwain. Well, this shows how much I listen to your shows, Alex, because I have Denmark number one. Denmark is really in form right now. Like I said, they made a really deep run into the Euros last summer. And we all know, like David said, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So I would put France out of qualifying under normal circumstances, but I just look at Tunisia and Australia and I'm just like, yeah, there's no way France, even if they half-heartedly go through this that they're not going to qualify 
Tunisia and Australia just don't have the quality. So in conclusion, Danes one, French two, Tunisia, then Australia. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all the listeners are like, once again, I put I, I put over my hero, you know, like as always, but like guys, look, we all know Zidane. Zidane doesn't doesn't care. He, he he's not afraid of anybody, especially that that terrible and uh Overbearing French media. But anyway, Group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. Uh, all right. You know what, Josh? Let's start, with, let's start with you on this one, my friend. All right. This is really a juicy group. I could see some potential upsets happening here. Japan, we know, is a team that's not to be taken lightly because they nearly took out Belgium in the round of 16 in 2018. Costa Rica made a pretty deep run in 2014. But then we have Germany, a team that was humiliated in 2018. Hansi Flick has taken over. He's one of the best tacticians in the world, in my opinion. You've got an incredibly deep team led by familiar names like Thomas Mueller, Joshua Kimmich, Marc-Andre Terstegen and Net. The name to look out for on this German team that the world will know is Jamal Musiala. He is great young talent, only 19 years old. He's going to have a great tournament, and I have Germany topping this group. Number two became kind of dicey because Spain – you never quite know what you're going to get out of them. They made a run to the semis in the Euros. They've got a lot of good young talent as well, particularly Unai Simone in net. But just looking at the their performances in their last two World Cups, I just don't have a ton of confidence. But you look at where they are ranked in the – international rankings right now i just think they have a little too much and they'll beat out japan for that second spot japan finishes third and then costa rica i think they'll at least get a draw or two they're a tough team that doesn't let you have it easy but yeah this this might be the group of death right here just for experienced teams that are always seemingly always in this tournament all right steve well uh costa rica had to get their ticket by beating new zealand for the playoff to make it here you know it's tough to totally rule out a team that's got kaylor navis and goal even after all this he's such a great goaltender um you know, Germany, I think, has proved the Japanese flick. They are a fun team to watch. I mean, you know, they're 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 almost like the Asian Brazil. I mean, they play such an open. They're they're fast. Um, you know, I I think the Japanese are are legit. Spain's got some really good young players. Um, Asufati, I think, is really good. Nico Williams, whose brother is going to be made the choice to play for Ghana instead of Spain. Um, they got some really, really good young talent in Spain. Um, 
I think at the end of the day, I think Japan and Germany are going to come out of this group. I'm actually going to pick Japan wow. to surprise the Spaniards. Oh, uh, wow. Surprise? I'd rather say shocked, wow. honestly, bro. <laughs> I think I, I think that they've, I think they've got the speed and the savvy where I, I think Spain is the one really good European team that I think the Japanese can, can really surprise. So I'm picking Japan and Germany to come out of this group. Wow. Well, Steve, I got to I got to praise you for the courage. But at the same time, you spoke the truth. And, you know, that this is what we're all about, telling the truth, because we love soccer so much. That's what we do. We just tell it like it is. So, David, give us your thoughts on Group E, sir. Uh, this is uh, like Josh said, this is a pretty interesting group. And I can see it. And I can see it. I wouldn't go far as a group of death, but it's close to it. The Japanese, I, I, I have, I've, I've been admire, I've been watching them uh, for a couple, for a few years now, and like Steve said, they are, they are the Brazil of Asia. They are the top team in Asia, no, no, no question. I can see them pulling it off an upset. Germany's built for, for, uh, for tournaments. They have, even they haven't looked all that great. I love that Jamal Musiala from Bayern Munich plays with with fellow Canadian there, uh, Alfonso Davies. I think he's one of the best young players in the world. That, not really a whole lot of people talk about. Spain, they're a funny team. They they, they have they have a lot of they can, they can how can I say this? They 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 create possession, but they don't really do a whole lot with that. They got some good young players coming coming up above. I don't think they're they're ready. So I'm going to go Germany one, and Japan with the big surprise number two. Wow. You know, you know, you're absolutely right just, about just edging out the Spaniards. Just, ed just edging out the Spaniards. Just edging out. I mean, so. the Spaniards again. You know, you know, you got the, the likes of you know Gavi, you know, eight, the 18 year old uh, midfielder, Firan Torres. You know, some of those guys. I mean, four years from now, Spain could honestly be Spain will definitely be a solidified favorite. Probably four years from now, it provided they oh, qualify, oh, which which they will. Years. Two years in, in the Euros, I can see on Spain being a, a big favorite. I don't think they're okay. ready right now. Right, right now. Okay, that's a good point. I mean, still at the same time, you know, Spain does have a couple of, uh, you know, some, some guys that have been around, you know, Sergio Busquets, who's the uh, captain, you know, 139 caps. You know, I, I've got my eye on the likes of, you know, Paul Torres, who plays for uh, Villarreal. And, you know, all, of course, is Alvaro Morado, who plays for Atletico Madrid and Steve. We all, we all, know, we all know how you feel with Atletico Madrid, and I'm sure you're still uh, overjoyed. You know, and I gotta interrupt for a second. You know, there's still people asking me, or, or some people telling me, Alex or Bearman, we don't understand why your uh, your friend and mentor Steve doesn't like Diego Simeone. I'm like, he's explained it many times, but you're more than welcome to to find Steve on Twitter. You can ask him himself. But uh, well, but bottom line is, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll put it bluntly. You know. He, he was a cheap son of a bitch as a player. <laughs> he plays he plays a really boring anti-football type of game. It's you know, it's like watching paint dry and he gets it's you know, the truly the expression of winning ugly, that's that's the personification of Diego Simeone. Uh, he shows as much imagination on the field as he does with his black suits. So yeah, I can't stand the guy. 
Well, everybody, if you're I, listening, never, I, I hope I, you took note I, of that because Simeone either. He was a, he, he was he was a jerk as a player, Simeone. I still remember the the, cheap, the, the thing there against on Beckham at '98 World Cup. His athletic Atletico Madrid teams got so much talent. They got to be the most boringest teams I've ever seen watch play live. I agree. I'm with, I'm with you on that one, Steve. I'm not a big Simeone fan either. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh. Uh, anything? Any? Any? Uh, anything you want to say on Diego Simeone? No, I think they summed it up. <laughs> okay. So, well, well, I can only hope that the loyal listeners, you know, listen. If you listen closely, you might as well write it down because, uh, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure every time they bring it up and and like that, they're they're gonna wonder, they're gonna know, well, you know, why is Diego hated so much? Well, like, well, there you go, guys. It's on this episode. So, so to close out with Spain, I mean, Spain. You know, Luis Enrique is definitely doing a good job at building the team. He's made tremendous progress. It's just he's not finished yet. Like, we got to understand building a national team is very likely the hardest job in the world, especially in talking about sometimes building the, the domestic clubs might be more difficult, but it's different. But Luis Enrique, you, you can tell, like, he brought in the young players. He's grooming them up. He's really building in the future, like kind of using – the strategy that Real Madrid uses, although Luis Enrique is a is a Barcelona guy, if I'm correct, but but that that's kind of Spanish soccer in a nutshell. You bring in the young guys, you build them up, you toughen them up, you build for the future, and then you basically you basically keep track of your progress. And Spain's getting there, and and with Spain not making out of the group stage, that's going to be a lesson that they got to learn. They, they'll know how to get better, and I think that's going to motivate them moving forward. All right. Group F. Well, David, this is your group. Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. So, David, it's only fitting if we start with you, my friend. Well, I want to be very honest with you guys. If 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 we can get anywhere between two to three points in this group, Canada, that is, I'll be very happy. The game is growing in this country right now with with the CPL that we just started in 2019. Already on our national team, two players, Joel, oh, sorry, one player, I should say, Joel Waterman, who currently plays for CF Montreal, who started his career in, CF, in, in the CPL with, with, with Victoria, has made this national team. We don't have the depth. We, our depth is getting a little bit bigger. We're still missing. Our, our weak point, I still think, is at the back. Um, just... Uh, we can I say this put put it politely. That's it. We don't have enough depth in the back. Our midfield is very good with with Ustakio, who plays for Porto, who's having a great year so far. Um, and, and Jonathan Osorio from Toronto SC. We'll, those two guys will be our secret weapon. Of course, there's a, there's a, also the Alfonso Davies factor. I don't know his how he is right now. He he got injured about two weeks ago, playing for Bayern Munich. With, uh, with, 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 I think it was a thigh, I think it was. He's supposed to show up in, in, in Qatar either tomorrow or, or, or the day after. No one's, they, they say he's ready for the opening game. Our forwards are great. Buchanan plays for Bruges, uh, Club Bruges in Belgium. And, of course, Jonathan David uh, of, of Lille in France. And, of course, Kyle Laird, who's been just through, through the – just scoring like in CONCAP, there's no tomorrow. But I'm going to – be, be very honest with you guys. I see Belgium top in this group and Croatia, us finishing third and Morocco fourth. 
because uh, Morocco's got, I think Morocco's having some issues with, with, with certain players uh, with injuries, and, and, and one player just doesn't want to show up. I, I don't know. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'll be very happy if we get two to three points. I'll be ecstatic. I think we're building up for 2026. A, a player you guys should look look out for playing for Canada. His name is Ismail Kony from CF Montreal. He's gonna he's he's gonna be the, the the next, in my opinion, the next Alfonso Davies uh, uh, in, in, in international soccer. <laughs> Watch out for this guy. He's only 19 years old. He last year at this time, guys, he was playing in in, in, in a semi pro league in in, in the Montreal in the, in the Montreal suburbs, and and now he he made from semi pro to MLS to the national team. And there's talk of him going to Europe next uh, right after this tournament. So I'm gonna I'm gonna oh. cross my fingers and go Canada go. Oh, all right, uh, Josh. I think we might have lost him. Hey, Josh, are you there? We lost him, yes. Uh oh. All right. Well, okay. Well, Steve, uh, go and give your thoughts, my friend. Well, I mean, Canada was the best team in Concacaf by far. Um, Kind of a tough group that they landed in. I think if Alfonso Davies was 100%, I actually think Canada could have finished a surprise second in this group because the one thing that just is amazing when you watch the Canadians play is just their their team pace. I mean, there is so much speed on this side. I mean, particularly, you know, Buchanan and Davies. I mean, these guys are both greyhounds. Uh, Jonathan David is such a good goal scorer with Wheel in the French League. Uh, the Canadians have solid goaltending. You know, Borjan has played, you know, really well. He's generally been the starter. Dave St. Clair, who plays with MLS with Minnesota United, you know, he's played really, really well in yeah. MLS. And uh, I think, uh, I don't think it'll be too long before he ends up making the jump to Europe, too, because I, th- I think he's that good. Uh, the Croatians, they're ring smart. Yeah. I mean, they're smart. They're savvy. You know, they know how to grind the result. Um, I mean, any team that's got a guy like Luka Modric, who's, you know, sort of like the general that leads from in front, uh, he's just such a great player. And, I mean, this this World Cup will be probably his international swan song. But um, I think Croatia will finish second in this group. The Moroccans... I mean, some American fans will recognize uh, Zayic from uh, Chelsea, but he hasn't really been getting a whole lot of playing time uh, with Chelsea. Belgium, I think they're getting just a little long in the tooth, but, you know, they still got players who can be difference makers. Uh, Yuri Tillmans has just an absolute cannon for a leg, and, I mean, he can score from a long, long ways out. De Bruyne. Everybody knows how brilliant he is. Um, you know, the Hazard brothers, Lukaku. You know, they've got some guys who can put the ball in the net. Uh, Mertens, you know, another really good forward. So uh, I just don't see the Belgians making a run to the semifinals like they did in Russia four years ago. But I, I think Belgium and Croatia top this group. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean... Obviously, Belgium and Croatia are the most realistic picks to make that make it out of the group. But guys, I'm sure I've told you guys this, and I said this with conviction. I just do not want to count out Canada. Now Canada, you, now, now do I? Now do I? Denmark obviously is the 
is basically on paper the ultimate dark horse. See, in, in a World Cup or in any tournament, you have dark horses, you have the ultimate dark horse, but you also have the Cinderella team. I basically depict as Denmark as the dark as the main dark horse, and I depict Canada being the the most potential Cinderella team. But with, with Canada, I mean the fact that they're starting off, you know, their opening game against Belgium and Croatia, that makes the situation tough on them. And David, we've spoken about this, okay? If Canada can somehow hold Belgium to a draw, that's a win for Canada, and that helps them. If miraculously they beat Belgium, then there's a lot of hope. I mean, that, I, I can only hope that that does not get in their head. If you can beat Belgium, that's going to make the game against Croatia a whole lot tougher. Now, Croatia might not be the team they were four years ago, but they still got that talent out there. So, I agree. I agree. So the way I see it is Belgium. I mean, Belgium too is be, Belgium is basically is basically just about this close, guys, from being completely faded out of the picture because they're the golden generation, Azal, Lukaku. I mean, they're basically being at a point where you know. Belgium has to start thinking of building the new golden generation. I mean, we, we speak of Eden Hazard. I mean, that 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 thing with Real Madrid, all the injuries and whatnot. It's a it's a shame, really. But for me, like Canada's got to go through Belgium and Croatia, and if That's they our, could, our if, if, if by then, if there's at least a win out of those two, Belgium has a good chance. So the way I see it is, I think that the game at the the game after Croatia, that's going to seal the fate, whether it's good or not. That's the way I see it, guys. Hey, I think Josh is on now, Alex. Hey, Josh, you back, buddy? Yeah, I don't know what happened. I think it just, like, froze, and then it was – the call just ended, but uh, – Well, you're back. You're back. It's good. It's, right. So uh, go ahead go and give your thoughts on this group, my friend. And everybody okay. can still hear me well, right? Yeah, um, just fine. Okay. I'll just quickly run it down. Um I got Belgium number one, even though their defense is pretty bad. They got the best keeper in the world right now in Courtois in net. Obviously got De Bruyne and Eden Hazard, like you said. Lukaku, this is sort of the last rodeo for those guys. I think they're going to try and make it count. Croatia, number two in this group. Obviously got Luka Modric still at the top of his game. And then... I think they're going to be out to prove that 2018 was no fluke, but uh, I think they just finished behind Belgium. Morocco and Canada, I just don't think either of them quite have the quality, and I could see them going either way, three and four, to be honest. Might come down to goal differential. They might draw with each other, and then that's the only points they get, and it just comes down to what they scored in the other games. Canada, this is their first time since 1986. And Steve and I, we, we, Steve and I have spoken about this, and I'm sure I spoke about this with David. I mean, Canada, back in 86, were in the same group as France, and they almost beat France. I remember that game. Yeah, I, I mean, game. some people say I'm exaggerating. I mean, France won 1-0, but hey, Canada was threat. I mean, the only reason why Canada didn't win is because they just could not score. I mean, oh, we, had no, it, we had no goal scores. Yeah, Canada, let's be honest, France won, but Canada beat them up. Canada beat them up. Let's be honest. They, so, they did. They did. They did. They did. And I'm not just saying that because you're here, David. I'm honestly telling the truth. I mean, I mean, it's been difficult to find the extensive highlights until you sent them, but 
it's just right there. And Steve, you you were taught by this because you remember this game well. My dad too. And when I talk about this, at first my dad thinks about it, then he remembers. He's like, then he reminds me, this is why France's arrogance bites them in the butt. They just got lucky. But but you know, you know, we think of Canada. I mean, it, it's hard to think of you know who's who's out there aside from Alfonso Davies. But there's also Jonathan David who plays in France, and of course uh, Hutchinson who plays for Club Bruges. But you, know, uh, you, mean, you, mean, you mean you mean Buchanan? Buchanan. Oh, Buchanan. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Hutchinson plays in Turkey, right? Yes, for for Bichita. okay. Yes. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. But but Canada is just like basically like you know I mean they're they're facing two main event opponents. So if they can somehow survive against them, we'll have to wait and see. But I kind of feel like you know realistically, you know, it's Canada and it, it's uh, Croatia and Belgium, but. You, you just can't rule out Canada, in my honest opinion. So that's all I got to say about Canada. Good luck to them. And now we're at Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. I think we all know who's winning the group. I mean, there's no argument there. Brazil nope. Brazil should win this group uh, with, all, with ease. All right. it's, it's, second is going to be – it's going to come down between the Swiss or in the Serbs. For a second, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say Switzerland edges off Serbia for a second. Switzerland had a very good qualifying campaign and a and a very de- decent uh, Euros, also. I mean, for God's sake, they knocked out France in in the European uh, Championship last year. Yeah, so I, I want to say, and, and that's a good team they, they got over there in Switzerland. So I'm gonna say switch. I'm gonna say Brazil first, Switzerland second, Serbia third. And of course, uh, Cameroon last. All right, uh, uh, David. I'm mean, excuse me, uh, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> well, Brazil's my pick coming in to win a six star for their six World Cup. Uh, this lineup, the lineup is so loaded that uh, Roberto Firmino of Liverpool did not even make the squad for Brazil. So I mean, that's how loaded this team is. I mean, they've got just an embarrassment of riches. You know, Vinicius, or anybody who watches Real Madrid and just what an awesome player he is, Rodrigo, Rapinho, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Neymar. Uh, even though Neymar bugs the shit out of me with his <laughs> stuff, you know, he, he absolutely annoys me more this side than Diego Simeone. But you got to give the dub. His, his the, the guy can play. He's phenomenal. Yeah. And unlike other Brazilian teams in the past, uh, Allison Becker, he gives Brazil a really solid, very, very good goaltender in the back. So, uh, I mean, this Brazilian team, I mean, even their B squad would probably qualify out of most of the other groups. I mean, they're that deep. Uh, and then for the second spot out of the group, it's almost a pick them. Um, I just... I just don't see Cameroon. They don't seem to have the level of class like they used to back in the, the 80s and the, the early 90s, 90s. Or early 2000s, you know, when Cameroon was really the best team in Africa. Uh, I think second place is going to come down to the Serbs and the Swiss. And I think the Swiss just have a little, little too much skill. And I think they have some more difference makers who can score. So I think Switzerland comes second out of this group. I agree. All right, Mr. McSwain. Okay, not surprisingly, I got Brazil taking all nine points out of this group. And (laughs) this was one of my just YOLO, why not picks. I actually have Cameroon second. Whoa. 
Really? Uh, okay. Really. Yep. Actually, well, I, I mean, I know Switzerland usually plays pretty solidly in in these tournaments, and Serbia, they've also got some talent, but I was just like, you know what, I just feel really bold this time. And isn't it kind of strange that Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia were all in the same group in 2018? What are the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just like just like France, Denmark, and Australia. Yeah. You're right. How about that? Hey guys, it's FIFA. It's FIFA. <laughs> I mean, don't be surprised if 10, 15 years from now they can conf- some FIFA officials confess that they deliberately did this. In other words, what do they what do they what are they gonna confess to? That the whole thing that the whole group stage was what? It was fixed. <laughs> I mean, don't be surprised if if they confess to that 12, 10 to 15 years from now. Huh? Right. Well, that's what FIFA stands for. It stands for, you know, fix in, fix again. So there you go. There you go. Testified, brother. But um, Josh, so, so go ahead. Uh, go ahead and, and continue. So, you, you know, you having Cameroon second, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, Josh, you know, I admire your courage and your knowledge and your passion for the game. But, you know. It seems like you gentlemen always bring that up to an, uh, to a whole new level every time we do an episode together. That's why I'm blessed, guys. <laughs> I think we must have lost Josh again. Uh, oh. You're kind of cutting in and out. I oh. heard a little bit. Was there a oh, question here he is. that you had? Yeah. Well, you picked Cameroon. You you picked Cameroon to finish second. So yeah, you know, I, I really I really want you to go into a, a decent a, a depth and, and a why. And I, I was saying that. Your courage, your knowledge, and passion for the game, you know, is amazing. And you, you bring that up to a whole new level every time I do an episode, but you guys do that all the time. So, so Josh, have at it, my friend. Okay, there's, there's really not a whole lot to say. This might just be my reckless pick out of it. I just, I wanted <laughs> to just go all in on something that seemed kind of crazy. And I was like, yeah, Cameroon to the knockout stage. Why not? <laughs> All right. I know you were hoping for something more in depth, but I was like, nah, this is what well, I got. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, Cameroon's the underdog. Maybe, maybe you feel like the underdog is just going to give, he's, they're going to prove that, fine, you want to believe in us. You want to pick it. You, you don't want to pick us. We're going to prove you wrong. We're going to make you feel, we're going to make you throw up your words. I mean, that, I, I'd imagine that's the scenario right there. Sure, <laughs> let's go with that. All right. <laughs> Group H, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Steve, I think we got to start with you on this one. This one for me may actually be the group of death because there's really there's a hell hell of a lot of talent and there's a hell of a lot of question marks uh, for all four teams in this group. I mean, Portugal, of course, they've got Cristiano Ronaldo who has managed to really become persona non grata at Old Trafford these days. But let's not forget, Mm -hmm. Portugal, the Portuguese have a system that seems to just do nothing but produce really good young players, not unlike the French. And, uh, you know, they've got a pretty solid team. I mean, on paper, Uh, can they can they gel well and play well together? Um, It's really too bad that Diogo Jota won't make the World Cup for Portugal because of injury, the Liverpool forward. Um, I think the smart money on a lot of people would be to pick them first. 
Uh, South Korea, it looks like Sun is going to play. So thank, thank that, God. That's that's really good because you know he's such a fun talent to watch, and uh, he totally spreads out the field with his pace. <laughs> uh, there's nobody that outworks the South Koreans. You know, the South Koreans can grind and, um, you know, they just put so much effort in. I mean, I think of like four years ago in a game they did not have to even show up for. And, you know, they came from behind and they they beat Germany and knocked Germany out of the of the World Cup. Germany didn't even get out of the group because the South Koreans just, uh, you know, they gave it their all. And one of the best pictures from that last World Cup was at the end of that game when the whistle blew and 10 out of the 11 South Korean players literally collapsed on the ground. They were just absolutely spent. So you have to admire a team that has the level of effort like they do. Uh, Uruguay, small country that somehow keeps punching above their weight and they, they manage to come up with some new players. Uh, Darwin Nunez, who plays with Liverpool, um, and they still got a couple of the old goats. Uh, Luis Suarez and Cavani are on this squad. Uh, they're solid. Uh, the Uruguayans are not afraid to play down and dirty. I mean, they could play they could play either really attractive ball to watch or they could play ugly. In some ways, they're kind of like the Dutch. You know, the Dutch can do that, too, like we saw in the final in 2010. Um but I think in this particular group H, I'm going to pull a Josh and I'm going to do uh, a wild pick. I don't think Portugal gets out of the group. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> I, think that, I think that somehow the, the Portuguese are just going to pull a France and just go all prima donna and oh. not together and at the end i think it's going to be south korea and uruguay that are going to come out of this group i think uruguay wins the group i think south korea takes second wow wow you know here i am i you see so i was not exaggerating every time your love passion and knowledge for the game and your your, your courage right there you bring up to a level each time Steve, you just did it again, my friend. And <laughs> right now, I'm just like, wow. I mean, you know, so I got to ask, you know, as, as far as Portugal goes, I'm actually surprised Renato Sanchez did get called up unless he's hurt, which if he is, I was not aware of it. But if this happens, Steve, can you imagine what, how Ronaldo is going gonna, is gonna to react to this? Because he's going to be in a position where I'm not ending my international career this way. He is going to want to keep playing because <laughs> – I mean, at the same time, everybody's, everybody's going to ask you, what, what excuse? Is, is he going to blame Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United for this? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But honestly, I'll be honest. For Portugal, you know, I'm not really having my eye out on Ronaldo. He's the captain. I get it. You know, the legend, the score. But rather, I'm going to keep my eye out on the likes of Bruno Fernandes, um, Rafael Liao, who plays for Milan. I mean, that dude is incredible. I mean, Josh, you and I have spoken many times about Rafael. And, and Josh, I'll never forget when he said that, you know, how he and the other, the, the most underrated French footballer of all time himself, Olivier Giroud, how they play side by side. You know, I think he said, well, he's playing with learning from Zlatan and Giroud. It's no wonder he's so good, which could be true. But 
But Rafael Leal is definitely a player I'm going to have my eye on, and I, and I hope he gets a significant amount of playing time. But, but we'll see. But um, this, so uh, Josh, uh, give us your thoughts, and then David will go to you. So Josh, go ahead. Okay, well, Steve, I definitely appreciate the boldness of <laughs> that pick that you have. I mean, come on. But I this is this have... is into that NFC, guys. This is no holds barred. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but. I actually yeah, really it's a, it's like a, it's a, this Portugal team. <laughs> I think it's really good. I think Jose saw the keeper from Wolves pretty underrated. You've got a lot of really good, talented backliners with Cancelo and Diaz from Man City and Dallow, who's had a great year at Manchester United. Ronaldo probably isn't going to be out there all the time for Portugal. Andre Silva from Leipzig is going to make his presence felt, and then yeah, Felix from Atletico Madrid. Maybe he's being <laughs> held back, and maybe he has a good cup. And, you know, I can see that happening, and you talked about Bruno. There's just so much quality on this squad that I have them at the top, followed by Uruguay. I was really considering either South Korea or Ghana. All of these could be good. I think all teams in this group get at least one win. But in the end, I think Uruguay will go through at second, followed by South Korea, then Ghana. All right. David? Well, this group here, like Group E, is another group of death. So, um, boy, this Portuguese team, yeah, they got a lot of young, young talent, but Steve made a good point. Some of these guys are prima donnas. And, um, and Portugal's always been a weird team for me when it comes to international play and tournaments. I was talking to a guy where I live here. It's a very big, huge Portuguese community here. And, 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 and a, lot, a lot of the Portuguese people I know, especially my next-door neighbors who are from, the, who are from Madeira, are not, are not really sold on this team. So I'm going to take their word for it. You got South Korea, who are a hard-working team. They're like the Boston Bruins of international soccer in South Korea. They, they don't seem to quit. Ghana is not the same Ghana they were 10, 15 years ago, at least in African soccer, where they were the, the kings of African soccer. Uruguay, like I said earlier, a country of 3 million people, produced some of the most finest football players ever. But they can play a, a two-system. They, they can be one of the most attractive teams out there, or they can be one of the most dirtiest and ugliest teams out there, too. So I'm going to go... With Group H, Uruguay topping the group, and South Korea finishing number two. <laughs> oh, wow. Just, just yeah. edging on Portugal. I mean, at the same time, I mean, I'm sure, you know, everybody's listening to this. You know, this, this situation right here, this reminds me, I'm pretty sure I've told you guys this story my when that PSG supporter messaged me and said I'm from Lyon, you know why do I give it? I mean I'm, I'm sure I've, I've mentioned it to you guys many times. He said, "Tu es Lyonnais, qu'est-ce que tu as foutre avec le PSG?" Which means literally means you're from Lyon. Why the f do you care about PSG? I mean it's it's kind of that situation. I mean the bottom line is we've caught we, we've caught attentions big time. I mean, you guys did, but you know for me I had Uruguay winning and Portugal finishing second, and you know and right now. Portugal, you know, finishing second or worse, I mean, I, I think anything could happen because you guys just brought up the facts. The prima donnas, the arrogance, the egos. I mean, 
It's like Steve couldn't have said it better. Pulling off a France, uh, pulling up a, a France stunt. <laughs> I mean, but right now, I mean, realistically on paper, Portugal should have no problem winning the group. But on paper, yeah, yeah, on pa- exactly. See that that the key words right there on paper. But Uruguay, I mean, Uruguay could all, always never rule them out as being a dark horse. I mean, Uruguay. I mean, in two, in two thousand ten. That was no surprise because Uruguay was obviously, you know, that was the greatest Uruguayan squad we've ever we've ever seen, even better than the ones that won the inaugural title in 1930, and then won it again 20 years later. You know, Diego Forlan, you know, I think ended up being the the best player or the top scorer, I think, or both. But but Uruguay, one, we don't know which Uruguay team could show up, but. We'll just have to wait and see, but I have a feeling Uruguay is, is probably going to be at a point where, if you want to doubt us, we're, we're going to prove we're going to prove you wrong, and I and I'm not going to rule that out. I agree. I agree. I mean, and as far as South Korea goes, you know, everybody wants to. See, okay, everybody brings up that magical run in 2002. I don't want to call it a mag- magical run. I not to take anything away from the national team. That run that, in 2002 that was, a controversial was magical it, run. <laughs> it was controversial, especially that game against Italy. And, and Spain too. And Spain, Spain, Spain games. They both they both benefited from from home cooking, but yeah. uh, but but you know what though too. But I'll always have a certain level of respect for South Korea in that World Cup because in their in their last game um, against Portugal, you know they could have mailed it in because they were already assured of making it through to the second round. But they played Portugal really tough. The U.S. for the U.S. to qualify and make it to the next round, the U.S. needed for Portugal to not win. And you know, South Korea just totally left it out there and got the draw against Portugal, which allowed the U.S. to make it to the next round, where they won in the round of 16, and then actually outplayed Germany in the quarterfinals in 2002. But, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'll always have a certain level of respect. But yeah, there's no question that the South Koreans benefited from a little bit of home cooking on two really key calls against the Spaniards and the Italians. I mean, that game against Italy, that that referee accuses Francisco Totti of diving when he was like, what, 30 yards away? <laughs> well, you, you guys knew that, that that same referee got got busted about a few years later for for possession of cocaine, or he was like, he was yeah for attempting to smuggle heroin in his un- oh, in his underwear in his underwear too. That's yeah. the fun part. <laughs> oh, oh, the memories. But but uh, uh, I'll close out the group one. Yeah, you know, so- South Korea. You know, I'm sure they'll be entertaining to watch. But Uruguay, and, you know, I'm not sure. Just you know, how could they take their chance with, with two heavyweights? But you know, but you know, Portugal not making it out. You know, whether people like it or not, that is realistically possible, but we'll just have to wait and see. But that that that's the magic right there of the World Cup, you know. There's always shocking results. It's just like the Champions League. I mean, that's soccer in a nutshell. Yep. To me, this, this is this is go- oh sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I was just agreeing with Alex. This is going to be an interesting World Cup and I'll tell you why. First of all, it's going to be during the winter or our winter for us. Some of the European players are, are, are at mid-season form, and some of the North American-based players, are, their season, especially in MLS, their seasons are done. So this is going to be something we will probably never see in our lifetime. I'm looking very forward to see what ha- happens in this World Cup. Of course, it's also, for my case, a Canadian perspective. And I'm just, I'm, I've just been enjoying the last couple weeks up here in Canada 
seeing all the Team Canada stuff uh, being sold at, at the at the Costco's Shoppers Drug Shoppers Drug Mart, the Rexalls up here. Seeing people driving by with their Canadian uh, Canada soccer, like this logo here, on their flags on their car. And it's a bit, and the people are just really, really excited about this. Like, there's going to be group parties in, uh, for the first game against Belgium. My my parish up here, St. Joseph's Church here in Guelph, we're thinking having a big screen TV on for the on the Sunday, so people can come down and have a, have a cup of coffee and watch the Canada versus Croatia game. But there's they're not sure about the signal they can get from the church basement. So I'm looking. Hopefully, they can do that. I'm looking really forward to this. I'm just looking at it as a far as a, as a Canadian perspective, eh? So I'm looking very, I'm just, I'm just very stoked for this. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you are. You know, I mean, you know, for me, I am watching, you know, you know, not only as a fan, but of course, you know, for the show as well, I'll, I'll definitely be covering, you know, the World Cup on the show and, you know, be writing about it. But, um, you know, for me, even, even if France manages to uh, crap the bed big time, I'm still going to, you know, watch it, you know, and enjoy it, you know. If France craps the bed of the group stage, then, you know, I'll just look at my dad and says, well, if that guarantees that Deschamps is gone and Zidane's coming, then then so be it. Then my dad's going to remind me about the French pre- the, the president, Le Gret. But I'm like, no, believe me, if Zidane gets hired, he's not going to let Le Gret control him. Believe me, Z- like I said, Zidane doesn't fear nobody. But um, France you know, produces so much time. What, what Canada is to hockey France, in my opinion, right now is the soccer, and as far as producing talent, and, and and to me, seeing them at this level right now is just annoying. It, it annoys me too, at, at all levels. Like that's me. why I'm praying. I'm seriously praying that Eduardo Camavinga and Oriol Chouameni can both make an impact. You know, Camavinga I, I, I recently like, had like a game like where he. Fe- so. I mean, he had a game where he he got fooled and he fell to the ground. I mean, people are bullying him about it. I mean, he's 20 years old, and they expect him to be, you know, like that player. And um, let me tell you this, guys, and I know that we've probably ran over a little bit. It irritates the hell out of me when people say Kamavinga did absolutely nothing last season in the Champions League. I'm like, anybody who says that, they clearly did not watch the games because I noticed immediately when Carlo Ancelotti, the GOAT of Italian soccer, put him in the game, those comebacks sparked all of a sudden. Kamavinga might not have scored the goals. He made an impact. Yeah, right. I agree. I agree. I agree. Any, any, anything you want to say on that, Steve? Well, on the subject of Carlo Ancelotti, the interesting thing on that is there's been more than a little talk that after this season with Real Madrid and after this World Cup, uh, his wife is Canadian. From so Vancouver. there has been some talk of maybe Carlo Ancelotti wanting to take over, you know, the Canadian national team because it's a it's a tailor-made situation. He has a certain familiarity with the com- with the country. Um, the Canadian press is going to be nothing like dealing with the press in Madrid or in Italy, and uh, you know where he's done a good chunk of his coaching. So um, that that'll be really interesting to see if that if that ends up coming to pass because all of a sudden with the World Cup coming in four years, and if Canada with all this good young talent that they're having if they can get a savvy guy like Carlo Ancelotti who's won four Champions Leagues and a ton of domestic titles at like four or five different clubs in different countries uh, phenomenal coach it would be really interesting no doubt well, 
I, I could if Canada has a decent showing at this World Cup, I could see Herdman, our national team, our, our national team uh, manager, probably probably want being tempted to go to Europe. Uh, I can just see it. So I can see Ancelotti taking over down the road, but we'll see. I mean, personally, I would love for Carlo Ancelotti to take over the Canadian national team. I'd much rather, I'd much rather have him take over the Canadian team rather than the Italian national team. But uh, Josh, anything anything you want to say on that? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, any, anything else uh, you boys want to add? Um, I'm just want to say, guys, it was awesome talking to you, Steve. I'm looking forward to coming visit you and your wife in 2023. I thought I'd let you know right now. It'd be great to have you. I'll be looking forward to it. Because I've 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 I love talking rugby with you. You're you're like my you're like my rugby guru. <laughs> you and Josh are, 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 are like my rugby gurus. Josh, <laughs> so. it was good to meet you, partner. And also, you too. Hey, Josh, it, it, it was great to talk to you. Uh, of all things, CFL football, I loved it. I'm so happy we, we brought that up. Go Argos. <laughs> yep. You think they're going to be able to pull it off and stop the Bombers three, Pete? I'm praying that they're, they're, they're going to do it. I'm praying that they're, they're doing it. So yeah. I think they could do it. I think they can do it. So I do I'll... too. Um, Andrew Harris going against his old team. It'll definitely be interesting. There was actually one other thing I wanted to say before you, you all got off. I had one other bold prediction that I wanted to give out. Sure. All right. Okay. So, I mean, I know we didn't go over our all of our round of 16 games and whatnot, but another upset I had in the quarterfinals, I actually had the Netherlands taking down Argentina. Whoa! <laughs> oh, boy. We should, hey, we should do a show. Once the, once the first round's all, all, all done, we should do a show uh, just before the knockout stage starts. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, you you beat me to the punch. I, I, I want to do that. You put, you beat me to the punch, David. You beat oh, me to you, it. <laughs> but you know, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, what? I, I, I guess we can we, we can all give one prediction. You know what? I have Argentina and Brazil in the final. You. I mean, how would you possible. have them in the final? They'd probably meet in the semifinal I, if, if they're assuming they win their groups. The semis. Well, I, I'll th- tell you what. I think Argentina and Brazil will meet. Whether it's the final, the semifinals, they're gonna meet. There, it's going to be a rematch from the from Copa America. Yes, and believe I have me, the Netherlands if, if, if preventing you that. One, it's not going to end in 90 minutes. It's not going to end in 120 minutes. It's going to be settled the old-fashioned and most stressful way. Brazil and Argentina in semifinals or the, or the final, it's going to be a shootout. Oh, I don't know about that. I I, I want to say Argentina and Brazil, I think they're, they're going to beat in the semi, so... I have a funny feeling that that game is is, is going to be like a two-two uh, in ninety minutes, like something like a two-two game, and it could go it's going to go down to a spot kicks. I have a funny feeling. Yeah, that's like, why that, I said yeah penalty kicks. I, I just said yeah. it won't end in ninety minutes or one hundred and twenty, but uh, you never know. You never know. Never know. All right, Steve, a, a yep. prediction from you? I think Brazil takes it all. I just think this team is so loaded. You know, will this be the Brazil of nineteen seventy or two thousand two? Or this be the Brazil of 1982, which is arguably the best soccer team to not win the World Cup, you know, when they got beat by Italy in the second round and this 
an absolutely epic classic match. And if you've never seen the Italy-Brazil match from the 82 World Cup, you got to look it up. You got to watch it on YouTube. It was just just an incredible game. Oh, best but, game I ever uh, saw, Steve. But I think this, but I think this Brazilian team is just so loaded. I just, I just don't know how they can lose. Right. I'm, I'm going with Argentina. I, I think they, they gotta, they don't have to rely on uh, Lionel Messi as much as they used to. They got some, uh, they got some decent players uh, uh, with them. So I'm gonna go with Argentina. Take it all. All right. Awesome. I have Brazil over Denmark in the final. Wow. It's actually interesting. You have Portugal not making it out of the group. I had them going to the semis where they would lose to the Danes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Uh, anything else, gentlemen? That's it. Have a good night, boys. All right. Well, before I let everybody go, a reminder that Ancient Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. NNFC is also brought to you by Fanatics, Paramount Plus, and Lids.com. If you want to subscribe to Paramount Plus, you can just find the link in the description. Set up your account in less than two minutes and start binge-watching sports and your favorite show. You can also shop with Fanatics, get your gear, also with Lids.com. And all you pro wrestling fans out there, WBShop.com is part of Fanatics. You can get your pro wrestling merch. And with Fanatics and Lids, you can, take, you can save money by taking advantage of the best deals in the world. And y'all, I strongly encourage you to take advantage of it. Gentlemen, thank you guys very, very much. And I cannot wait to do this again. Go Canada. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you. You too, Steve. See you later. You too, Josh. Have all the best. Too. Bye-bye. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.